The following is brought to you by TheKnowledge.com, Dustin Campbell, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, and Craig. Welcome, everybody, to the Politics, Politics, Politics podcast for Friday, the 13th of August. It's your friend, Justin Robert Young, from the wildlands of rural Texas. Last broadcast from here, although... uh, I think the Sunday show will be on time. Anyway, uh, look, we spent a lot of time this week talking about Deadbeat Dad Summer. Half of Deadbeat Dad Summer. Because half of Deadbeat Dad Summer concluded. It's over on the East Coast. But we all know that groveling amongst the public is done best out west. Today, we take a look at the state of the California recall race with the fate of Gavin Newsom on the line. Polls have tightened and one has him losing in a landslide. Are they accurate? If so, why are they getting so close together? And if Gavin is removed, who shuffles on up to Sacramento? We take a look at the leading candidates to replace him and speculate on how they might try to attack him out of office. And finally, we check in with Joshua Spivak of the Recall Elections blog to see where this process is at historically. In a very real sense, the California dream is more like a mirage for people grinding it out day after day. How do you make the case that you, as governor, can deliver the California dream to all Californians? Well, let's talk about what we all saw number one in Stephanie. And guys, forgive me, I know I'm a little pointed today, but I've been taking a lot from a few folks for a lot of months, so it's nice to be able to express myself too. But I do it with deep pride in this state as a Californian, not as a, I'm a future ex-governor. It could happen in a few weeks, could happen in a few years. That is an uncharacteristically annoyed Gavin Newsom in what I initially thought was leaked video of him answering questions from reporters throughout California, but it wasn't leaked. This was an on-purpose, on-camera video conference where the governor who, by the way, is normally Westworld calm, showed a little fire? Or was it annoyance? Is he feeling the pressure? You have to wonder, are these getting to him? Is he annoyed that this recall is happening? 
Or is this the result of a note from his team that he can't smear that big Newsom smile on his face if the strategy that they're using is that Donald Trump is personally trying to take over the state of California with his villainous recall attempt? Gavin's got to fight back, and this is what it looks like when Gavin fights back. Now, I don't really think it's his best look. It's very weird to go from... I'm super calm male model guy to somebody who is angry. It it just doesn't feel like he's doing it the right way, at least to me. It rang weird to me personally. Either way, this is where we rejoin our California recall coverage with the race looking all the more competitive. Two polls, one from Emerson and one from Berkeley, have Gavin winning the yes-no removal question by two and three points, which are both within the margin of error. For context, the previous Berkeley poll had Gavin winning by 13 points. Then there's this outlier poll. One from Survey USA, which not only has the yes remove question winning by 11 points, but also has YouTube influencer and politics, politics, politics guest meet Kevin Pafraff replacing him. Considering Gavin Newsom has never come on this show, I am going to root nominally for Kevin here while also noting that this poll is a pretty big outlier as of this recording. Anyhow, we will get to the cast of characters lining up to replace Gavin in a second. First, we have to answer this question. Is this now a close race? Well, realistically, it seems that the majority of folks who are watching it agree on one thing, that it will be as close as the turnout allows it to be. A reminder, this is an off-off-year special election. They don't get weirder in timing than an election like this. California, in the opinion of this humble host and formal resident, doesn't have a particularly dynamic political scene. And by that, I don't mean that the policies aren't bold. They're probably the boldest in the nation. Whether or not they're effective is up to your own personal opinion. But when the Democrats always win, or one party in general always win, there's only so much that I think people care about things. Here's an anecdotal example. Living in the Bay Area, I don't think I met anyone who had anything particularly nice to say about Nancy Pelosi. And yet she has Kim Jong-un job security because no one would ever consider voting Republican in San Francisco. Will Californians turn out for this race? And more specifically, will California Democrats turn out for this race? Because every polling indication seems to indicate that every single Republican is very excited to get Gavin Newsom out of there. They know very well that the last time they had a Republican governor came in this exact same circumstance. And granted, Newsom isn't Gray Davis and nobody on this particular list of replacements is Arnold Schwarzenegger. But still, the sense among California Republicans is that they got a better chance here 
than they have ever had in a regular general election, and that is what they would be facing next year. So, when we're talking about turnout, there's one thing that's greatly in Gavin's favor. COVID rules are still in effect for elections in California, and that means that every state citizen will be sent a mail-in ballot. Now, on a two-question ballot, that's a pretty low bar for participation. But here's my question. Is there real love for Gavin? And I mean Gavin here, not the Democratic Party, not liberal values. California's in love with the Democratic Party. There's a two big metro regions that are about as liberal as you get. I'm talking about Gavin. His Achilles heel has always been relatability. Quick story, and I think I've told it on the show before, but it's worth retelling here. I met Gavin once at the Democratic National Convention in 2016. He was friends with a friend, and I went over to say hi. When Gavin left, I told my friend, man, you know, this Gavin, when, when you meet him in person, he's, very, he's tall, very handsome, he's very well put together, he comports himself very professionally in public. And I, I told my friend, I'm like, you know, you're in his presence, and he's kind of so handsome that you don't feel like you can trust him. And I said that trying to make a, a, a joke, but I was trying to illustrate something real. And my friend, who is a staunch Democrat, looks at me like I just sharted in the 16 Chapel. He goes, you know, that's a real issue for him. That's something people say. And then he changed the subject. Which has always stuck with me. It stuck with me that the people around Gavin Newsom know that he's hard to relate to. Now, that's not unique amongst politicians. They tend to be odd ducks. But there's something about Gavin that's almost uncanny valley. Like he feels like he should be more relatable and isn't. Or he's Barney the Dinosaur. When you see him on television, it makes sense under those lights and with everybody running around him and, and on-screen graphics and stuff. And then if you meet him in person, he's just kind of a bunch of matted down felt. That being said, like our guest Evan Scrimshaw said on Wednesday, this is still very much Gavin's race to lose. But it's probably closer than he'd like it to be. And he could actually lose. No, he could. He could lose. He couldn't really lose, could he? Could he? So let's imagine that indeed those who come out and vote on election day do say that Gavin Newsom needs to GTFO. Who is going to take his place? 
Well, a few things have happened on the GOP side since we last really took a hard look at this election. The first is that conservative talk show host Larry Elder entered the race and quickly became the front runner. He's raised $5 million since he got in in the 11th hour, and that was roughly a month ago. Elder, by my estimation, represents the best chance uh, that the Republican Party has to take the governor's mansion. A, he's used to criticizing both California state government in general and Newsom in particular. He already has name recognition with a section of people that he needs to turn out to vote, which is talk radio listeners. And he's not a California retread GOP loser who loses all the time because losing for them is like breathing. The losing is their money and also the worms. And this was the night the losers came to life. John Falconer and Kevin Cox, or maybe it's Kevin Falconer and John Cox. I don't know. I'm not sure. They can't generate excitement if they lit their hair on fire. I mean, Cox literally brought a bear around and just got laughed at because he runs for office all the time. And all he does is eat L's. Like he's trying to put on weight and only L's will give him the necessary caloric intake. Nom, nom, nom. That's Cox with L's. Falconer too. Split him up. I mean, granted, Falconer got elected in in, in San Diego, but come on, man. If you were going to translate statewide as a Republican, you would have done done it by now. Which brings us to the most well-known GOP name in this race, Caitlyn Jenner. Jesus. Caitlyn Jenner. You know, Caitlyn Jenner got about as friendly of a press rollout for her campaign as you can get from a press corps that is largely, let's say euphemistically, skeptical of Republicans. She came out with a, with an issue that was kind of tailor-made for her, that was going to get her a lot of attention. Uh, uh, that is transgender athletes. She is transgender. She was a very, very, very famous athlete. And then she changed her opinion on it, or muddled it so much that nobody could really pay attention to her because nobody knew what the hell she was saying. I mean, I think the last word she had on it during a disastrous appearance on CBS and it wasn't because they were tough on her it was because she sucked I think she said she was only for real transgender athletes participating which it's like now we're getting into some kind of purity test I don't know man just seems like like a problem but that's not even the worst part with her As she is going through all this process and she's not doing great, she decides to leave California, the state for which she's running for governor. Okay? You can't, there's a lot of things, especially in 2021, that you could do remote. Plenty of things you could do remote. My wife works remote. I'm sure many of you who are listening to me are working remote. Here's the thing you can't do remote. And that's run for statewide office. 
If you can't carve the time out of your schedule to be at least in the state, in the state while you're running, well, I don't see quite frankly how you can win. So where did she go? Where did she go? Where on earth did Caitlyn Jenner go? How about this one? Big Brother Australia. Big Brother Australia. The, the reality television show. For real. In fact, Caitlyn Jenner just this week announced a tour of the state with less than a, or just a, a, over a month to go. Because it's the 14th. So, so when, when this airs, it'll be a month and a day from when this race concludes. She just announced a tour of the state. And the only reason why is because she got kicked out of the Big Brother Australia house already. Let that sink in. The dynamics of the reality television show Big Brother Australia has materially affected this race by sidelining one of the most recognized candidates. And she is now re-entering the race because she failed at being a reality competition candidate. I mean, a contestant. Sorry. I get a little mixed up when I'm talking about Caitlyn Jenner on whether or not she's a candidate or a contestant. Because she seems to really, really, really excel at both, which means she excels at neither. And beyond that, how is she getting in and out of Australia? Australians can't get in and out of Australia. They're on lockdown. They can't leave their house. They want to go to a CVS. They can't go to a CVS. I don't know if y'all got CVSs out there. Anyway, like, uh, this is crazy. How does any of this work? Long story short, Jenner's a joke and, and isn't taking this seriously, which is a shame from the perspective of somebody who thinks that if she were managed or allowed herself to be managed effectively, I do think she could have been a player. She's not, so that's that. Which brings me to our boy. Meet Kevin Pafraff. Now, honestly, I, I, I don't root for politicians. You guys know that. I'm skeptical of politicians. But I do root for takes. I said on this show, that a YouTube influencer could make a run, and a YouTube influencer showed up in a poll as the replacement for Gavin Newsom. That Survey USA poll that had Gavin Newsom losing the yes-no question by 11 points had meet Kevin Pafraff as the person that would replace him, with 27% of the vote beating Larry Elder. Now, there's a lot that you can go into that poll, up to and including the fact that Kevin was the only Democrat polled whereas there are nine other ones. So even if you are only looking at him as the person that is, is the only Democrat there, he still wouldn't have the same name recognition if people didn't know who he was. That was just the way the Survey USA did it. So there's a lot to criticize that Survey USA poll. Still, here is Kevin's best shot the way I see it. Take advantage of the press attention that that poll brought him. Make that poll the Bible. We've got momentum Get on our side right now. Kevin Paffraff, Kevin Paffraff, Kevin Paffraff, Democrat running in the recall election. Brand yourself that. 
Secondarily, rail against the California Democratic Party's insistence that all good Democratic voters should be leaving the second question, i.e., who replaces Gavin blank. That's something that's actually happening. They're saying vote no and then leave the second question blank. If you're PAFRAF, you have to attack them two ways. First, tactically, i.e., why should Democrats who hate Gavin not have another option and leave the replacement up to the GOP, because right now, even in these other polls, they're within the margin of error. The idea that Gavin loses would not be a total shock and surprise based on the latest polling. So if that's the case, and there's a chance that he's going to get kicked out, why again should Democrats not at least list another Democrat on there? And furthermore, you need to attack it morally, specifically. Since when did voting blue no matter who not apply when Gavin is on the ballot. So we're going to totally take away our choice just because we're a Democrat, because apparently we're not for the party, we're for Gavin. This doesn't make sense morally or strategically. So why is the party asking people to do this? If you have a fresh breath of air that will adhere to democratic values, that will listen to the will of the people, that is what you need. That is why you need to meet Kevin Pafrat. And then if you're Kevin, you pray to God, Gavin self-destructs. He's raised $46 million. The rumor is anywhere between 12 and 20 of that is going to go into ad buys over the next uh, couple weeks. And you hope all that backfires, the Democratic rank and file vote him out, and then simply check the D candidate that they have heard about the most, and hopefully in the intervening month, you have gotten enough press attention that you seem like a fresh face change of pace that isn't a Republican, but a bing, bang, boom, YouTuber is in Sacramento. I get to not only crow about the fact that my take was totally right and everybody should uh, forget about the fact that I had the worst take ever with uh, Andrew Cuomo. And on the upside, I guess I would have the phone number and DM ability for the governor of California, which is pretty cool in my opinion. I want to thank you for uh, being a part of this team. Uh, there's been a lot going on in my personal life uh, that, that you know, is going to stay personal for now. Not anything to me, but but in in, in and around my existence. That's, that's part of the reason why I'm out here, why I had to skip other shows that I'm doing. But uh, uh, PX3 rolls on because you guys make it roll on. You know, I was at Podcast Movement last week. And I was talking to a lot of podcasters and it really, really, really highlighted how lucky I am to have you, this audience, and how lucky I am to have a group of people that listen to me each and every week, how lucky I am to have an audience that is on our Discord, bit.ly slash jury Discord, J-U-R-Y-D-I-S-C-O-R-D. Uh, that I have people emailing me at theyoungamerican at gmail.com. The fact that you know, when I am streaming, I have I have uh, you know people in there that, that want to watch me there and that I have people that make sure that I dedicate enough time here because it is indeed my living. And if you want to do that, you can do so at takepoliticsseriously.com. In fact, if you are at the $3 level, 
you can immediately get access to the Patreon episode that I did this week. That is my full breakdown of the Cuomo resignation that was done after he actually resigned. We wound up doing a lot of it uh, uh, in, in, in the Wednesday show, but that interview was recorded before I knew everything that happened. I went through everything and did a fairly substantial, like a 30-minute episode about that resignation, breaking down every angle I could think of. So if you want that, the place to do it is TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Sign up at the $3 level. You get two bonus episodes, a Sunday, Sunday, Sunday show where we break down all the Sunday uh, chat shows. And then, of course, the late edition, which is normally what happens after a regular schedule and this time included the Cuomo resignation. So head on over there right now. Take politics seriously dot com. Recall elections are weird. They happen suddenly and they make big, chaotic waves, which is why it's helpful to have a meta eye on this chaos. Somebody who studies recall elections on the city, state, uh, uh, the city, county, and state level all over, all the time, which is why we welcome back to the show Joshua Spivak of the Recall Elections blog. Welcome to the show, Josh. Hi, thanks for having me on. All right. So now we are we are within at the time that this podcast airs, we are a month away from the California recall election for Gavin Newsom. It seems like things have tightened, but what I really love about your perspective because you cover so many of these uh, uh very chaotic, very irregular events. My first question is is that normal or is this indicative of a, a race that is seriously getting more competitive? I, I don't know that it's clear because usually there's very few polls on a recall on the local level. Uh, but I do think it is normal just in any election as people suddenly start paying attention, the results start uh, closing. Uh, one thing yeah. that's interesting is that there's been one poll where the numbers are the same throughout. It's 36 percent want to recall him, except that's registered yep. voters. So it's the likely voters where Newsom is having trouble on that poll. And that's one of the better polls. Uh, so that could be the, the situation. And that should have been the concern of Newsom the entire time, frankly, getting to getting people out. So, OK, let, let, let's get into that, because that does seem to be amongst people whose opinion I like and respect and trust on this particular issue. Uh, uh, the big key, which is despite the fact that they are a statistical minority, when you add up all registered voters in California, there still are a ton of Republicans. A reminder that the state for which produced the most by tonnage votes for Donald Trump came from the golden state of California, despite the fact that it was a blowout for Biden. So if all the Republicans are very excited about this and the Democrats might not even know that it's on the calendar, that would produce a, a problem for Newsom. Do you get the sense from watching the polls that this is something where, despite the fact that they had a money lead, the, the Democrats and Newsom were maybe asleep at the wheel? Or is this, again, just such a weird event that 
if you turn on all the Democrats within the next month, that'll be enough because there's so many of them. Well, I never liked the idea that they moved the recall up. They had a choice when to schedule this recall. And I thought we could they could have scheduled it in October. They could have scheduled it in November, basically, if the Democrats had played the cards that they had. They wanted it earlier and they needed more time to alert people. You know, I'm, I'm in the Bay Area and I've seen uh-huh. I've gotten no mail, not one piece of mail. I've seen nobody campaigning. I've seen no word on it. And actually, people say to me, oh, there is a recall uh, in a normal election. You're flooded with mail in California. Yeah. Just you get hundreds of pieces of mail. Now, a lot of that is propositions and whatnot, but you're just flooded here. I've got not a piece of mail. Now, the fact that I'm not getting it from the recall proponent side, that is not unexpected. In fact, they should not be telling anyone in the Bay Area. They hope turnout no. is down. But Newsom and his side, I don't know why I haven't seen anything. And that's, you know, that should be a little disconcerting to the Democrats. Uh, that said, you know, he does have time. He has the money and he has the other advantages. Uh, turnout, people normally think turnout goes down in a special election, which could be true. But there have been three recalls of governors in U.S. history. And the interesting thing is they've all seen turnout booms. Scott Walker, yeah. the turnout was much higher. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Gray Davis, huge increase, huge increase. And even back in 1921, where the numbers are a little harder to explain because it was uh, off a 1920 uh, election, it was every two years. And then in 1918, they didn't have women's suffrage. That's how far back we're going. Uh, even in that one, I'd say turnout went up relative to what you were expecting and relative to 1922. So what you're telling me is that it is up relative to other special elections or up relative to a normal election that would happen on election day? Up relative to the election that happens on, for governor. So they wow. all had higher turn, turnout, not up relative to a presidential election. That's sure. always the top. But Gavin, uh, but Gray Davis, a much higher turnout than in 2002. Scott Walker, much higher turnout than in 2012. So that's what happens. The turnout does spike. Uh, whether that will happen here is hard to say, but you, you know, it wouldn't be a shock if it did. So let me let me get back to this thing that you said in terms of them choosing when they wanted to to have this election. I I presume that the strategy on their part was, hey, look, the 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 fundamentals for us in this campaign are going well. COVID is tailing down. The economy is coming up. That means we want to have it. If we could have this tomorrow, we would want to have it tomorrow because everybody's emerging out of this big fog and we want to be the big, beautiful sun that they that they show up to. Uh, uh, but from your perspective, you're like, no, 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 no. You, you want to have all the time in the world to just have a steady drumbeat of remember that this is happening. Remember to come out and vote because if enough people come out and vote in California, the Democrats always going to win. Exactly. Uh, and so it's even more than that. Uh, but part of what you said is definitely right. If they could have done it the next day, definitely, but they couldn't have another, 60 to, in this case, 74 days from when they scheduled. Plenty of things could happen. Another two months isn't going to make a difference. Plenty of things could happen in that time. But this is taking place right after school starts. So you may face whatever negatives from the school reopenings if there are problems. It's taking place when COVID is still an issue. Uh, The longer you wait, the better off you had. And just he has the money advantage. And that money advantage will increase 
exponentially, perhaps, because of the, the laws in of a recall uh, in terms of campaign finance. And so he just has to keep pushing it. Now, part of it may be that they didn't want the Republicans to have a uh, to organize around the candidate. But I don't even think that's a negative for Newsom. I think that would have been a positive. Uh, so. Yeah. And 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 I think uh, uh, it was a positive for um, uh, uh, the, the candidates. I mean, because they just and this is something we didn't cover in the in the episode so far. So we might as well uh, say it here. But the state Republican Party uh, decided that they were not going to formally endorse anybody. I don't think the National Party is going to endorse anybody. And that's probably for the best, considering the people that are the most establishment candidates in Cox and Falconer, I don't think really have much of a shot. So you would if, if you want Newsom out and, and a GOP person in there, the best chance at this point, at least by the numbers, is Larry Elder, and he certainly wouldn't be getting the endorsement from the the rank and file of the California GOP. Right, exactly. And plus, it gives Newsom somebody to hit. Then Newsom yeah. has somebody to compare himself to. Right now, it's Newsom versus Newsom, or in Newsom's best case, Newsom versus Trump. But it would be better if it was Newsom versus Elder. That would be perfect for Newsom, and he doesn't really have that option yet. Uh, if the if the polls keep going in that direction, I think that's what we'll see. And we're starting to see it. OK, so Larry Elder gets in at the 11th hour. He has to have legal wranglings to even be a part of this at, at the very beginning and and then raises more money than anybody who has uh, uh, any, anybody has raised on the opposition side, either Republican or Democrat. Before we go into his viability and and whether or not. Uh, this is a, a positive or a negative in terms of Gavin's ability to run against him. Let's first do what I think is just the, the yet another sad chapter in the California Republican Party that th- this was the best they could do in in Cox and, and Falconer. Uh, they don't seem particularly adept at attacking Gavin Newsom or the Democrats, which is shocking considering you'd think that's all they would have to focus on on doing. But like, I guess uh, this is more of a statement than it is a question, but like, why is the California Republican party? Like, like what, what purpose do they serve aside from being the Washington generals at this point? It's amazing. Cause they own the state. They went from, you know, Ronald Reagan and Richard Nixon to this. Uh, it's, it's really kind of shocking. And they, they seem to have, this is almost an example of just going too far inward and killing yourself. I mean, this is Cox runs as the beauty and the beast. It's like, like you're not running on closed small businesses. You're not running on schools. You're not running on any of these things that I think at that point, it's the most bedrock you could possibly make some of these, these Republican arguments to largely a democratic electorate because people felt it throughout the COVID situation. Like uh, uh man, just, baffling that that because I don't even think it's like when you say go inside I don't even know who their constituency are aside from maybe their immediate family and friends in Orange County well it's I guess the people upstate really far upstate and you know it's the 36 percent that's what it is yeah that's they they cannot get out of that and whenever your party starts spiraling you know you see this with the Democrats in West Virginia I guess it's hard to get out of that once you're falling down, yeah. you're you're not coming back up. 
And I guess part of it is that there was almost immediately this infighting within the party. It's not like, I mean, you would think that the party organization should be designed at this point to pounce on recalls. You should be grooming your best people. You should almost have a primary, you know, to, to figure out exactly who everybody's going to going to focus on and and have your best and brightest uh, come out for it. But, oh, boy, I, I had a pessimistic view of how this was going to shake out from them. And it it. It uh, uh, decreased past where my expectation was. Yeah, you, you would have thought they'd look for somebody like Schwarzenegger. I don't know if they have one, but if there was somebody like that, and I guess Larry Elder is what they'll land on, uh, they decided to go with Jenner for a while, and that was just crazy. It was almost a parody. Oh, Democrats like this issue. They'll probably like this candidate. No, that's not usually how it works. So. So let, let's let's get to Jenner because you brought her up and I already yelled about her once in this podcast. But I'm going to yell about her again. Uh, where in your coverage of recall elections throughout history and time uh, has historically there been an effect of Australian reality shows? Like, does that normally show up or is that just here in 2020? I think in 1913, there was a big. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, this was a. A deeply I'll tell you what, in 1913, you might have been able to get in and out of Australia quicker uh, than, than you are today with all of their COVID restrictions. But what a baffling for the amount of name recognition, for the amount of money, for the amount of press contacts that 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 Caitlyn Jenner has like a competently run Caitlyn Jenner campaign. I don't know if it would win, but it would certainly be felt. Uh, uh, the the fact that it it gets interrupted because she wants to presumably cash a check from Big Brother Australia, I mean, baffling, insane. Send in the clowns. And there's, you know, he wonder. There's like a line in Gatsby about somebody who had such a great achievement that they, uh, uh, physically, you know, in sports, that yeah. they could never get past that. And you kind of yes. wonder if that's just Jenner, you know, okay, yeah, that was a fantastic result in 1976 and then just lost forever, right? Uh, maybe that's what happens. Uh, oh, fortunately, I've knows. never had that experience. <laughs> yes. I mean, I, I, I now thank, thankfully, I, I've been cut from every sports team I've applied for. So uh, maybe that'll, that frees me to do achieve my true purpose yes. in life uh, past this. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, when, when, she ran that first ad. I was like, okay, knowing the bare minimum of what I've known about Caitlyn Jenner's story and deeming it, let, let's say to this point beyond uh, her transition, even, even the stuff before and, and after and during that behaviorally was erratic to, to be, to be kind. I was like, well, you surround her with enough money. You surround her with, consultants and a lot of them I think were 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 Trump kind of uh uh cast offs people looking to prove themselves with another big splashy candidate. The first ad was good. The idea of the California dream I think is something that that you can brand a, a successful campaign on. And then from there just catastrophe after uh, after catastrophe. And and I think probably the lowest stakes way that you can spend a lot of money to run for office. Like you don't have to run for a primary. You don't, you can do, yeah. you can tell the exact story you want to tell. 
It feels like they were trying to make money off of it, which is what I was expecting with a lot of these races. I actually was expecting that there would be like 400 candidates and 398 of them would try to be making money on the race. So no surprise, but uh, yeah, really. So, so you think, you think that it was, it was as much of a, uh, uh, it was, it was, it was as much of a, um, a, a, a grift from, consultants and people looking to uh, 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 boost their profile the, as it was a, a good-hearted attempt to be the executive of the state of California. Yeah, though, you know, it could be both, right? Yeah. <laughs> They've managed to pull off both at the same time. So well worth taking the chance if we can make some money on it. So before we we get into Elder, I do want to talk about uh, uh, two things. A, a, a big controversial poll, and that's, I guess, how we'll lead into it. A Survey USA poll that at this point is a tremendous outlier. While the, you know, Berkeley and Emerson, which has consistently polled this, uh, I believe Emerson has, has always had it within five points. Berkeley has closed significantly from like plus 14 Gavin winning to now plus two or three Gavin winning. That's within the margin of error. But Survey USA is is the first big splashy outlier to say not only is Gavin currently losing this by uh, I think eleven to fourteen yeah, it was points. 11 I've been points, looking at yeah. too many eleven points. Uh, but also uh, YouTube influencer and guest on Politics 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 meet Kevin Pafraff. Uh, would be the next governor of California should Survey USA indeed be the crystal ball into what is going to happen on September 14th. Uh, where do you see the idea of a complete political unknown in Kevin, but somebody with a highly targeted uh, a fame through YouTube and obviously an ability to communicate by way of being well known on that platform? Uh, do we have a shot here? What is what is going on? And anything could happen, right? <laughs> that's that's yeah. where it comes down to. And he does seem like the biggest Democratic name. Uh, but I wouldn't expect it. I, I think I would expect uh, that the like Larry Elder or somebody will come in on top. Uh, much sure. as Schwarzenegger, you know, there were a number of Republicans, but Schwarzenegger got everybody consolidated around him. And he did end up getting the highest total. And I think the highest total among Republicans as well. So I think yeah. that there is... That while it seems funny, and while there's a chance somebody could win with two point eight, two point one eight percent of the vote or something, yeah. if everybody got the same amount, I do think that usually in these elections, people kind of consolidate it towards the end. Uh, that's, you know, I'm not sure if it's always accurate, but I think a lot of times people just start moving to the winner. But let's fixate on this Democrat thing, because the the the, the yeah. state Democratic Party has not only decided that they were not going to put an officially blessed candidate on the list of replacements, uh, but also now the messaging is don't vote. Don't vote for a replacement at all if you are a California Democrat. Uh, if. Kevin, and let's just use Kevin as the example because he seems to be, uh, right. uh, at least when Survey USA was designing that poll, they only put one Democrat on there because Kevin has been able to get, uh, you know, beyond low single digits uh, enough where the other Democrats haven't. Uh, is that a possibility that that just that there is higher turnout, but Gavin's not as popular as he as he as he thinks he is? He doesn't have the love of the Democratic Party, and then. They just want another Democrat that that that's possible. 
I, yeah, I think it's certainly possible, but uh, I don't know. Unlikely. That, yeah, I think unlikely. it's unlikely. I think if he's removed, then they're right. You know, I think they were right. The whole idea was right, that if there's another Democrat, it's not going to help them. It's not going to. Yeah. That guy's probably not going to win. If there's turnout enough to remove him, then the Republicans will consolidate by that point, And that guy was going to win whoever it is, and in this case, let's just say Larry Elder, much as we yeah. saw with Schwarzenegger. I, I suspect that that's the most likely that uh, it's not going to help. Uh, it used to be actually that you could not vote for, if you did not vote yes to remove, you could not vote on the replacement. Uh, that, gotcha. was, that was the old law. And then they threw it out in 2003. So it's not a surprise. But people probably do that. They'll just say no, and that's it. Uh, I think that's more likely yeah. to happen than the other way around. But it would be very funny if you got it. Actually, there's five would- candidates named Kevin. So I thought they should sort of, you know, Voltron them together and all their votes count the same. And they get I to believe be- that I, I, I believe that Kevin initially wanted to have himself listed as meet Kevin yes, as, as his YouTube per, persona. And, and uh, that'd be interesting that, that, that maybe, you know, in, in 20 years, it'll seem crazy that we're not allowing uh, our own uh, alt handles online to be our, our officially designated uh, a political, uh, a political things. But uh, all right. So, so let's, let's go ahead and get to Larry Elder. Uh, uh, he gets in super late immediately kind of establishes himself at the head of the pack, in your opinion, if the next governor of, or if the governor of California is not Gavin Newsom by Christmas, it will be Larry Elder? Well, I guess, you know, who knows? Maybe he falls apart. Who knows? But I guess he's the most likely possibility. Right now, a month out, a month out. Yeah. Based on the polls. So what would the first thing that would happen? I would expect the first thing that would happen is the Democrats would change the Senate laws the, the law of replacing U.S. senators, I think that would be day one that they would change that law. Uh, oh, so wow, wow, that wow. That would be so the just first, to, first thing. <laughs> yeah, if Larry Elder came in. Uh, why has Larry Elder succeeded where establishment Republicans have uh, failed? I think it's sort of where the Republican Party is nowadays, that it's very driven by personality in a way that the Democrats maybe aren't, and the Republicans certainly weren't before. You know, we see Trump, that's the most obvious example, but you're also seeing other people like Matt Gates and, and just many others, sort of the Sarah Palin model in the end that the personality wins and being well-known among that base wins, and it just beats out everything else. And I don't think you've seen it as much on the Democratic side. I mean, there's there's certain instances, Al Franken maybe, yeah. that Al Franken was considered so famous at the time, but uh, you know, that it's really a strong push on the Republican side to go with personality. I, I think there's also this other element where and and it plays into the advantage of everybody who is running on the replace side of the ballot that and and you're in the bay area i am until very very recently was in the bay area and i'm curious your your opinion if you feel the same way but the bay area specifically and i would imagine the pockets of los angeles are as well which is obviously the democratic super hives uh it's not a particularly dynamic political environment in that because the Democrats always win, you tend to just vote and then forget about it. But there's not a lot of love. There's not a lot of like I I had probably 
nine to one conversations about people that hated Nancy Pelosi. And yet she's got the job security of a Central American dictator because like, like she, no one will ever vote for a Republican and, and the, and she won't, and there's really not a lot of traction for anybody else. I, I wonder if, especially if you can't turn out the major places, like you said, in the Bay area in Los Angeles is where the, the vast majority of Democrats live. Uh, whether like there is a real enthusiasm, enthusiasm gap that might not even be about Gavin specifically, although he obviously is very uh, uh, cognizant of, of the fact that he might come off as a little bit too cut and dry, uh, but might just be a generational thing of how powerful the Democrats are. And maybe the idea that, that somebody comes and goes, isn't the end of the world. Cause they know they're going to get a democratic governor in a year. And maybe they don't like Gavin and screw him, but we can get another one. You know, it could be that this is a historic thing with the Democrats. When you think yeah. about it, uh, that uh, Kamala Harris is the first person, first Democrat to ever be on the party ballot. Uh, that's yep. kind of weird. It's the big state for Democrats over the last while. You know, New York had somebody on the ballot for every year from, 19, from 1868 to 1944 on one party or the other. Now, the, yeah. the Republicans had this power in California, but in, you know, the Democrats, even though they have this uh, authority, maybe the voters don't care as much about them. I don't know. Was the L.A. mayor ever the same thing as the New York mayor? Do you ever feel that that got the same attention or San Francisco mayor? You know, maybe Willie Brown, that's it. Or, yeah, you know, it's really not the same national oh wow that's a big god yeah i i i don't i i i think certainly the la mayor is not the new york mayor although i think the new york mayor is probably also way more inflated in terms of how much they think that they have a national influence that's exactly what it is uh, it just gets this attention yeah. at chicago is another one that has yeah. attention i don't know la and san francisco both have kind of a gap from the attention except if it's somebody like willie brown who's so Magnetic. Such a personality, yeah. a personality that can translate. Uh, but even, you know, like Kamala, Kamala was somebody that was obviously a rising star, a rising star as attorney general, a rising star as a, a senator. And then, you, you know, there were there were rumors in Oakland that, you know, she was going to endorse Biden in Oakland and didn't want to do it because she didn't want to get possibly booed at, at an endorsement because people in her hometown didn't like her all that much, you know, and, and that's, that's, that's crazy. It, it is, it is crazy to think that, that there is this undying loyalty to the democratic party in these very populous areas. And yet the love for the politicians aren't quite the, uh, held at, at, at the same fervor. And that's what I would wonder with, with, with Gavin now. Yeah. It, it very possible. You know, politics may be kind of a tertiary or lower tier industry in California. Maybe that's a way to think of it. You have Maybe the stars, it. you have the, uh, we got the um, uh, tech people, you know, in other places, politicians were at least were, maybe not as much now, were the big star people. California never really had that until, except Reagan, you know, yeah. it just wasn't the case. Reagan and Brown, but before that, no. Yeah. I mean, because even Nixon was was looked at as 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 a scion of the party, but but not not much of a personality, uh, you know, even even at his heyday. Uh, uh, 
Did you see the the interview that that Gavin did with the the, the Sacramento Bee and and the uh, uh, St. Lu- or uh, St. Louis Obispo paper? It was all like the, the smaller uh, metros that well, just came out so, yesterday. Um, or well, I saw some interviews. What, what was this one about exactly? It was well, no, this was I believe it was like an hour long que- open question and answer with Gavin that was recorded. It was everybody knew it wasn't like a secret or a leak or anything, but. The interview was testy, which is not something that Gavin is known for. If anything, he is almost too calm. And that that is something that that people might not be able to connect with. But it was one of those things that I wonder whether it's him legitimately being annoyed with this recall election or a note from inside of his camp to say, like, hey, look, if our messaging is. Donald Trump is personally trying to take over California with this super biased recall election. You can't do it smiling and, and shaking hands and kissing babies. You've got to be a little fired up and, 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 and you got to fight. You want, you want to show people how to fight and maybe he's just not naturally great at it. So it comes off as him just being really, you know, pissed off at a waiter, which was sort of how it came off, at least to me. Uh, Do you think that Gavin needs to show Anything that he hasn't normally shown as being a fairly well-known uh, 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 political celebrity here? Does he need to show a little bit more fighting spirit? I don't think so. I think he just needs to get people to come out. Really. That's it. I think, yeah. yeah, I think he doesn't need to do anything but that. Uh, September 14th. His new first name should be September 14th. Exactly. It's, it's that. I do think you're right on the second point that it's while he may be annoyed, that that's really every time somebody, a politician looks like they're angry when they're not normally angry. I assume somebody gave them a note and they just, okay, let's we want to see a fight. <laughs> we want to see you get, get out there and uh, 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 get out there and, and, and really show them, show them that you care. Cause that's, I mean, like he didn't get pissed off during COVID when he was out, you know, he didn't, he didn't show, he was, he was, he was like giving like the, the, the in-flight instructions on, on your, you know, the headrest entertainment system level of, of, uh, of information delivery, even during the darkest days there. Right. Americans prefer the guy with fighting. They don't want a technocrat. They never do like that. Yeah. So, you know, he's, they're right in that way, but it's not going to work for Gavin Newsom. That's just not his personality and it's going to show, come off poorly. Uh, all right, uh, Josh, thank you again so much for coming on. You've got a new book coming out, right? Yes, hopefully. Uh, it, hopefully it'll be out shortly on Amazon Kindle. Uh, I believe the title should be Recall Elections from Alexander Hamilton to Gavin Newsom. Look at that. All right. And of course, everybody, uh, no matter what, you should be going to recallelections.blogspot.com. Uh, that is the uh, the site where Josh puts all of uh, the the information, not only for California, but also for 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 recall elections all over the country. But I will guarantee you two things. Number one, he is going to have all the latest bits of information uh, about this California one before I cover it here on this podcast. And you uh, should be there because you want to get those links to his brand new book on Amazon as soon as it goes live. Is there anything we didn't, uh, that we, we didn't, we didn't cover any, any fun recall nuggets that, that we haven't gotten to, or, or do we, do we do it pretty well? Well, actually I do have one thing that I could tell you this, this is a great stat that kind of says okay. why Newsom maybe should be a little uh, worried. It's from 2008. Uh, there was okay. a recall against the uh, house speaker in Michigan and the recall took place on the same day as his election. So it would have only been for two months. 
Right? Okay. So same ballot, you're voting for him. The recall down ballot where the recall was, uh, he, he won, wins both in a landslide, but the voter turnout is quite different. 54 people essentially don't vote on the recall, don't vote to remove him and vote against him. It's only a small number. Yeah. 3,000 people miss him on the recall who voted for him on top, didn't vote for him to stay on the recall. So I don't know what that means always, but yeah, it does suggest that you really need to notify people and that the other side knows it. They understand about the recall. So uh, it's a cool stat, I think. Well, I'll tell you what, he apparently is going to put anywhere between 12 and, and 20 million dollars into notifying people that they need to come out. And I can guarantee you that if we are still seeing polls like we are even seeing from Emerson and, and Berkeley in the next two weeks, that uh, the cavalcade of Democratic stars are, are going to be parading, uh, uh, you know, up and down Broadway in, in Oakland and, and uh, through West Hollywood. And, uh, you know, Joe Biden will be doing cartwheels out by a fisherman's wharf. Uh, it, it, they are going to do everything they can to make sure that they don't lose that seat. Uh, uh, all right, uh, Joshua, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I hope to have you back on very soon. Thanks a lot. Great talking to you. Great talking to everyone. <laughs> and that'll wrap it up for us today. Politics, Politics, Politics is written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. The show is edited by Brett Stewart. You can find our guest, Joshua Spivak, at px3guest.com. Our email is theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Our Twitter is px3tweets. Our Twitch is px3live. Our newsletter is px3newsletter.com. You can share our podcast at px3podcast.com and get your politics merch at politicsmerch.com. If you want to support us with a one-time donation, it is paypal.me slash payjury. Our Venmo is justin-young-20, and our cash app is px3cash.com. If you'd like to send anything to our P.O. Box, it is P.O. Box 15-31-84, Austin, Texas, 78715. Again, P.O. Box 15-31-84, Austin, Texas, 78715. Of course, you can get our bonus content at TakePoliticsSeriously.com. $3 tier gets you two bonus podcasts per week covering all the news we miss in our free podcasting schedule. And the $10 tier gets your name read at the end of the podcast like these fine folks in the Titanic. $10 tier, including David, Snuffy Soft Fruit 44, Catherine, Jay Sulu, Brian, Chris, Severio, Alec, Government Unfiltered, Jerry, Neil, Charles, Darren, David, Olin, and Angela. DL, Stephen, Chad, Nomadic Terran, Miranda, Janelle, Robert, Casey, Paul, the most conscientious nonpartisan listeners, David, Brad, D. Laser, Just Another Pilot, Middle Age, Mike, Scale, Jim, The Gen, Will, D. Really, J. Pink, and Andrew. You want your name mentioned? What you do is head on over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Thank you guys so much for joining us for yet another week. Until next time, this is your old pal Justin Robert Young saying some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics, and still more discuss politics, but this, this is the only show that dares discuss
Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Dog and Pony Show Audio.